0: The <laughs> cat My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the If there is one story that regular listeners of this show have heard more than once, it's the story of how I got my first television editing gig on the number one show on cable at the time, which was Burn Notice. And by the way, I had zero TV experience, and I was at the green age of 29 years old. I tell this story often because it is a great example of how experience doesn't have to be king when it comes to getting jobs. Many of the students in my coaching and mentorship program come to me hoping to make a transition in their career where they might have the skills and the abilities, they just don't have the experience. And I, too, was in that very same position when I landed my dream job editing Burn Notice. Here to lend a unique perspective to my Burn Notice story is ace editor Steve Lang, who is the catalyst for getting that job. Steve has cut over 120 hours of television in the past 24 years, and he has worked on such shows as The Practice, The Gifted, Preacher, Rectify, and Manifest, just to name a few. He took an unusual path to becoming an editor, having held practically every role in the post-production department at one point or another. This experience gave him a well-rounded point of view about hiring editors and assistants and the best practices for advancing your career without getting pigeonholed. This interview has been a long time coming as I've been trying to get Steve on the show for years Our conversation ended up going so deep that I made this a two-part interview. In this first part, you're going to hear how I got the job on Burn Notice, but from Steve's perspective, while also hearing the skills versus experience argument from somebody that's on the hiring side. You'll also learn how Steve has managed to jump genres and show formats throughout his entire career and why he's always trying to help advance other editors and assistants that have proved their worth. When part one is over, make sure you come back next week for round two, when we are gonna take a deep dive into his philosophy on editor's cuts and the playbook that he gives to all of his assistants to ensure that they get a seat in the editor's chair. All right, without further ado, my conversation with television editor, Steve Lang. I'm here today with Steve Lang, who is a Hollywood film editor and proud ACE member. And just a few of your credits include shows such as The Gifted, Preacher, Hand of God, Superstore, Rectify, and frankly, the reason that you and I are even here today talking Burn Notice. So Steve, as I've uh, joked about more than once, it has been a decade-long quest of mine to get you on the other end of this microphone, and you're finally here.
1: Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, man. It, it, it's a pleasure. It's it's one of those, there's a reason why I'm in a dark room all the time, is, is I, I normally don't like to... Uh, to talk too much, but uh, but for you, I will always make an exception.
0: And I appreciate that. And I was just going to allude to the fact that getting you out in any form of the public, even a Zoom call from <laughs> your own home, is like pulling teeth. I saw you at one event last year, which was the, the Ace Holiday Party, and I'm like, that's got to be a hologram. That can't actually be seen <laughs> in public amongst other human beings.
1: So, it's Amongst other editor, editors, too. Amongst it's, other it's, it's editors more. on top
0: of that. Um, so, yes, it's it's great to have you here. And if people are wondering, well, how do I not know about Steve? That's why. And I'm hoping to change that because I don't think that you have uh, you've been able to provide as much value and knowledge and brilliance out into the the larger world. I know you've done it on an individual level on your shows, with your assistants, with your other editors. But there's a lot of value you can bring to this community, and I'm hoping you can bring a little bit of that today as I pulled you out of your shell, um, out of your comfort zone to, to be on the other end of the microphone. So where I want to start is the beginning of our story. I have told what I call the burn notice story at least 100 times, and for my regular listeners, they're like, oh my God, the burn notice story again. <laughs> However, this story has never been told from your point of view. And I think understanding it from your point of view is so important because when I tell it, it's all about how I broke in, how I got your attention, how I proved myself, how I got the job on the show. But I think it's even more important to crawl into your brain to know what that looked like from your perspective so other people can understand how do I get noticed if I really want to work on something that I'm passionate about, but I might not be qualified for, or I'm just looking for mentorship from somebody that I admire. What does it look like from that person's perspective? So, talk to me about the very first time, according to your memory, at least, that you and I first connected.
1: Um, if I remember correctly, it was a it was a Facebook thing, right? You sent me a message through it was a messenger, right? On Facebook. It was
0: the very first time we connected was a Facebook message, which to you looked like one message. From my perspective, was Facebook stalking every single person that worked on the show? <laughs> but to you, you're like, whoa! Oh, I got a message. So yes, the first time we met was a Facebook message.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it, you know, what's interesting is obviously you weren't, you know, you're not the first person to sort of reach out to me. And, you know, I, I, I am one of those guys, if you sort of take the time and you reach out, uh, I, I you know, most of the time, I will respond with some sort of message or advice. And, you know, uh, usually, you know, obviously, I'm, I, I work a lot, I'm busy a lot, but I also know, you know, when I started out, you know, I mean, I had a lot of people that sort of helped me along the way. So, it's just one of those things where you know I, I always feel like it's it's one of the ways for me to sort of to give back. So when I get those messages, um, I might not respond right away, but you know I usually respond with uh, with something. And I re- like I said I remember you wanting to sort of get together uh, because you were you know trying to make the uh, the transition. And I I do remember you talking about. At the time, you had a was it was it a trailer sort of company or what you were doing promo stuff? Yeah, I had, to, I had, had to, sort of.
0: I had built a boutique post production facility that was doing a combination of long form and short form, where I had a small group of independent contractors that were working with me. Where a client would hire me, but because the workload was so high, I would. Ah, uh, basically, you know, subcontract other editors. I would supervise them, and we would do both trailers, promos, featurettes, and some long-form work. And it was actually the web series feature film that I was working on that I used to get your attention. So that was where it all yes. started. Was I had sent you the trailer for it?
1: Exactly, and I, and like I said I remember being intrigued because I, you know, like I said it was. I I thought the trailer was was really well done. It you know it reminded. It reminded me of burn notice in a lot of way and you know right this is where the sort of luck aspect of it uh, comes along is you know we were looking for an editor at the time because i believe matt got his other series and i knew i was going to go do that and so it was a, a question of who was going to sort of replace me um while while i was sort of working on that so originally i believe it was just going to be like for maybe a half a season or something so there were, you know, there were a few combination of things that were just sort of like uh, perfect, you know, perfect sort of timing. Um, I was intrigued by your situation. And I I remember just thinking, I was kind of curious, like what what your setup was in terms of this this house that you had and and all of that stuff because I'm, you know, I, you know, I, I can get geeked out by some of the technical aspects of it all too. So, uh, like I said, I remember coming to your facility and us just sitting down and having a conversation. And, you know, I mean, the minute I kind of walked into the facility, it was like, okay, this guy is real. Like, you know, obviously, most of the the emails or, you know, messages that I get, they're, they're, they're mostly young, you know, younger people trying to figure out how to break in with almost no credits, you know, those are sort of almost the easier conversations to, to have, because, you know, I mean, when you've got nothing, it's like, okay, you know, here's sort of a playbook of, you know, from assistance that I've suggested before, that really seems to work, you know? Um, With you, it was like, it was more of a, you know, I'm a working editor. I'm just trying to make that transition into scripted, which, you know, like everything can be, you know, can be difficult. But I remember just sitting down and having that that conversation with you and right away saying, okay, this guy is like, for real, like, it's really just a matter of, of an opportunity. So, you know, yeah, I, I remember you gave me a uh, a DVD. I don't remember if there was a few episodes on it or what it was, but I watched it and it was just like, okay, this this is a no-brainer. Like, you know, like this guy knows exactly the style of the show in a way that, you know, that a is going to make my life easier, because you know, uh, at that point I had a relationship with the with the guys there. That it was like, you know, they expected you know they expected a lot and. You know, I, I wanted to make sure they hired somebody that, that really could sort of pull it off. So, uh, you know, so very quickly, it was just one of those. I mean, I remember walking in with the, with the DVD and just said, don't even waste your time. Like, watch this and hire this guy and you'll be fine. You know, now, granted, you still had to go in there and you had to uh, to interview and you had to impress them and that you did. So, you know, uh, you know, I mean, like, it's not as simple as me just saying, hired this guy although it was probably 90 percent. i mean you literally had to just screw that one up in a way that (laughs) that that they wouldn't have hired you but but then the rest was history because like because i remember you were supposed to do a half a season we ended up getting a full season pickup so you stayed and then i remember the season after that it was like i am not coming back to burn notice unless we have three editors and and then that was, you know, and then that's basically how it sort of continued.
0: I love hearing the story from your perspective because there are multiple details I wasn't even aware of until right now. And there are there are a couple of pieces of this I want to dissect even a little bit further that I think are going to have really important takeaways for the listener. Sure. The way that I saw it from my perspective and the story that I've told, you'd played it really close to the vest because I had no idea you were already looking for somebody so early and that you were kind of quasi interviewing me behind the scenes. Because when I had reached out, we just set up a lunch and you said you wanted to see the setup and I gave you a quick uh, tour of the house that I had rented and built out into a post facility. And we just chatted. I wasn't trying to pitch myself. I wasn't saying, hey, I hear you have an opening. I want the job. I just wanted to learn. I was just seeking advice to understand how does the machine work? How do you break into TV? What are they looking for? So it was more understanding your story rather than, hey, I'm here. I want to pitch myself. At least that's how I remember it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember pitching myself.
1: Well, yeah, it wasn't that, you left necessarily were pitching yourself, but it was like, like I said, I know you were, you were trying to break into scripted and, you know, and obviously, you know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, for someone like you, that's already has experience, who's in theory, making a living doing it, you know, it's it's a lot easier when, you know, you're you're trying to be an assistant and it's, you know, and it's you're coming from sort of nowhere because it's like, you know, there's, you know, at the time, I believe you already had a family, right? Uh, uh, or I was just you,
0: about to have my first son. So I, I yeah, I, so my wife was pregnant.
1: Yeah. So those are, you know, those are nervous ones. You know what I mean? Meaning, you know, like I love giving advice, but it's like to say you got to stop, you know, doing what you're doing. And you've got to step into or you got to step down into an assistant position to, you know, what I mean, to kind of to get the uh, the opportunity to then start editing, you know, uh, scripted because that's that's sort of the reality of how, you know, of how that process would normally work for someone. You know, if you want to say you're coming from the reality, you know, from the reality world, trying to get into the scripted world, you usually almost have to take a step back before you can sort of step, you know, step up. So, you know, for someone like you, you know, I mean, you know, I, I saw the immense talent in terms of the the material that you sent me. And, and like I said, at the end of the day, it really was the perfect timing because the reality is if we weren't looking for someone and... I, I, I don't remember. Was it right? Was it was it right away that that we that we ended up No, this or, is the
0: other part that uh, that I didn't even cover until just now. Um, when we originally met, I had no idea there were any opportunities. I wasn't pitching myself. I just wanted to learn. What does it look like I do to break remember, in?
1: Yeah, and I do remember not telling you. Like in the back of my didn't tell me it, anything. It was, I knew. Yeah, it, I, I I do remember like because I didn't want to get you like excited in a way that. You know I mean who like you know it was one of those I wanted to have a conversation I really you know I wanted to look at the material you know and, and so it wasn't just like oh I'm gonna you know i'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make this happen it was let me just make sure this guy is sort of okay yeah you
0: know? so the the timeline from my perspective we had lunch at the end of the lunch I do remember handing you the DVD very politely very sheepishly hey, if you wouldn't mind there, this web series that just finished if you'd look at the first couple of episodes and as a web series it was like 15 minutes worth total between two yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah. You said you'd look at it. like a week or two later, you called me and you're like, dude, what is this thing? Like, this is awesome. Like, this is a really, really cool show. And you wanted to know more about the show specifically, but that was it. So I talked a little bit more about the show, the workflow, how I got the job. And then I will never forget this. It's one of my most distinct LA memories. I was getting gas at the 76 station at the corner of Sepulveda. I don't remember the name of the street, but it's right next to the 405. And you called and you're like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to be going on to a pilot for Matt Nix. We're going to need somebody to fill my spot for one episode. So I didn't even know until today that it was for half the season. You said, gotcha. we need a fill-in for one episode, and I want to see if I can get you an interview. And you really downplayed it. Like, listen, you don't really have the credits. Um, I just, I want to give you the opportunity to meet with them, but we've got a lot of other people to meet and I think that uh, afterwards, Alfredo had said they met with guys that worked on 24 and Heroes and all these other big shows. But as soon as you said the opening was there, I said, This job is mine.
1: <laughs> this is made
0: for me. And then I remember watching the, at the time it was,
1: I remember f- you binged. I remember you, like, you watched three seasons twice.
0: Yeah. I watched all yeah, three yeah. seasons twice. And as you know, when I came in, I became the rain man of Burn Notice. Yeah, you were yeah. Eric or Alfredo would say, Hey, what was that one episode where, uh, you know, um, this character does this? Oh, that's, uh, yeah, episode 311, um, uh, end of act three, uh, four, four shots before the cut to black right i just I, I remember everything but i remember going in really thinking that you downplayed it and then i oh know- i
1: definitely downplayed it that w- that would be me for sure is definitely just downplaying it this way you know if if it worked out fantastic but if it didn't it's like no big deal mm-hmm.
0: Is movement we found to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me Topo. That's T-O-P-O. Yeah, so I went in, I had the meeting with Alfredo, who was the, the second in command under Matt Next at the time. Uh, and he's, he's a tough cookie. When I look back at oh, this yeah. in hindsight and I look at the level of experience I had and how young I was, what was I doing there? Like I'm now coaching people that were my age when I got the job on burn notice and they, they look like kids. I'm like, that was me. Like what, how in the world did that come together? But the the story that Matt Nix told me was similar to what you said, where you handed them the, the DVD reel and they put it in. And I think it was him and uh, Jason. They looked at each other after like 15 or 20, 20 seconds. They're like, Hired? Hired. Good.
1: <laughs> which is and which is funny because when you talk about like people that sort of, you know, are looking out for you. I mean, that's how I, I got the job burn um, notice. You know, I had worked with Alfredo on one or two other shows previously. So he was the guy that introduced me to Matt Nix. And it wasn't even like, it wasn't even an interview. Like Alfredo was like, you're hiring this guy. It's not even like, this is, this is a no brainer. So, you know I mean? Th- those are the things that I always think about and remember when I get these emails or I get the calls and, in terms of people just looking for advice and opportunities, because if somebody wasn't looking out for me, you know, that things wouldn't have necessarily happened.
0: Exactly. So there, there were a lot of confluence of events that all made this come together. The one piece from my perspective that I always tell people, very little of this was lucky or was an accident because I had a sniper scope pointed at this show. It wasn't a matter of I sent you a message and 50 other people on 50 other shows said if there's sure. one other show where I'm a shoe in and I can walk in and cut it tomorrow morning, it's burn notice. So I'm going to target <laughs> that one and I'm going to become obsessed with it. And clearly it worked out, but it's all about being specific because if I just been some guy that you liked that you wanted to help, I don't think you would have taken that reel and given it to Alfredo and Matt and said, this guy's got to cut the show because I wouldn't have been the right fit.
1: No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. So
0: it's really important that people are so specific about this is where I can set myself up for success as opposed to I really, really, really want it. You got to look at it from the other person's perspective. Doesn't even make sense because ultimately your ass was on the line you can't just Absolutely. hand me over. And then I had my first episode, which by the way, was the directorial debut of the star of the show. I found that <laughs> out like two days after getting hired. Alfredo was like, Oh, by the way, this is going to be my episode. I'm going to be executive producing this one. And Jeffrey's going to be directing it. Oh, cool. Jeffrey who? He's like, Jeffrey Donovan. Like, no, no, <laughs> you mean, you mean the, the star of the show? He's like, yeah, you're going to be cutting that one. The pressure that I had, I just had my first kid I was still running a business, and in my mind, I had one episode. That was it. I had five weeks to either make it in television or have it never be a realized dream. So that was a long five weeks for me. <laughs> um, but, you know, it paid off, and four seasons later, you and I finished out the series together. So now I want to talk more about you. This is a, a story that I've always wanted to see from both ends of the, the story. But when it comes to you, you also have a very circuitous route to get where you are today. Everybody thinks in order to, get to make it in TV, first, you got to be a PA, then you got to be an assistant editor, you pay your dues for years and years and years, and maybe somebody hands you a few scenes to cut, and then you get to edit. And if I look at your resume, as far as just the credits alone, makes no sense whatsoever. There, you, are, you are the polar opposite of being pigeonholed, but if I look at the roles that you have played— You are also the polar opposite of being pigeonholed. So take me back to your origin story of breaking into TV.
1: So my origin story, oh my God. So I mean, it's I mean, I started I started the normal path, right? Meaning, uh, you know, I was lucky to get a job at a production company um, that owned their own avid system, right? So this was, you know, uh, I think that was around ninety three or something like that, maybe ninety four. So you know, it was that digital transition, which I mean, God, you know, those are those things where you realize, oh, you know, I was young enough to be excited. And obviously, there were a lot of older editors that just were so not uh, excited or interested. But what was great is they own their own editing system, which, you know, basically gave me the opportunity to just jump on and learn. And it was the type of place where. After hours, weekends, I could do whatever I want. The, the, the facility was, was mine. So, you know, I literally, you know, me and my friends would shoot projects and nobody knew how to edit. And basically I was the guy that was kind of like, okay, let, let me try and figure this out. So, you know, I got a couple of lessons. Um, the production company I was working at was uh, Robert Greenwald Productions. They did a lot of uh, television movies at the time. So uh, what the way that you got sort of promoted there is, you know, you kind of, you know, you were PA, you, you did all the running, you did all the, the grunt work, the research, uh, the shopping and, and you know, and eventually they would give you an opportunity to assist on one of their TV movies because they, a lot of that stuff was non-union. And I had two friends that sort of went through that process. And all of a sudden they, they kind of had these, these, uh, uh, uh editing careers or assisting editing careers. So, uh so they were looking for somebody. I jumped on the opportunity. Unfortunately, it was sort of that period where the uh, the television movie industry was kind of starting to, to die out, those those TV movies. So, it, you know, I'd been there for almost like three or four years. And it was a little bit like, ooh, you know, like I, I get some opportunities to go, you know, work on a PA, like on a, you know, on a TV series or a movie. And, you know, you're like, oh, should I just, you know, should I hold out? Should I? Should I, uh, you know, or should I just, it's not going to happen here. I mean, thank God I, I, I knew better in terms of the holding out because when I first moved out, uh, I was really, I really wanted to do the writing thing. Um, you know, wrote some scripts, uh, uh, got a little bit of interest in terms of agent, and almost got into the Warner Brothers uh, writing program. They had their sitcom writing program. But at the same time, I was starting to play around in the editing room, just, you know, basically kind of learning. And I caught myself, uh, you know, I used to say, like, I was good and disciplined in terms of, you know, sit down and write. And, I, you know, I do I go get two, three hours, you know, and then I just get a little antsy. And then, you know, my day was sort of like, OK, I'm, I'm done writing. But when I was when I was editing, it was like, oh, my God, like 10, 12 hours literally just went by blink of an eye, didn't even think about it, really just kind of enjoying the process of what it, you know, what it was that I was kind of creating. So, you know, it was one of those where I, you know, I could quickly realize, thank God, that like, oh, this is like a, a real career path. And I think this is something that I'm really sort of comfortable in. And I want to, I want to hold out, you know? So uh, and I'll try to get through this as quick as possible. The uh, production company could see that I was kind of growing frustrated and they were sort of, uh, uh, um, they they knew too that there really wasn't too much coming down the pike. So uh, uh, Robert Greenwald uh, actually had a movie, an independent movie that he was doing at the time. And he said, hey, Steve, uh, do me a favor. Can you assist this actor? Uh, I, you know, I think he might be a little bit of trouble. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of a reputation. So I, you know, so I was like, uh, sure, whatever you want me to do, ended up being uh, Russell Crowe. Um, wow. So I got this, you know, so I got this great opportunity. Uh, and I got to sort of step into that world of completely other side, but just in terms of just seeing what that like the, the set world was like, what it was in terms of, you know the, the the what the demand was in terms of a leading actor and this was like this was right before he did LA confidential so at the time you know he had done uh, virtuosity he had done quick and the dead you know nothing like you know no no big breakout things but i but it was always one of those things like he's going to be the next big thing next big thing um, very you know it was one of those things where really open you know what i mean like you know once i sort of stepped into that world i mean i was a young guy and uh, the the amount of questions that i i would just hit him with on a constant basis I, I i can't even believe that he would sort of you know put put up with with any of that when i think about that stuff now but uh at the end of that process it was it was probably about three months that i was working with him you know he would call me up uh because you know he, he we we sort of got along, so now there was a potential opportunity to be his assistant. You know, um, at the time he just started doing L.A. Confidential, but I mean I really you know I would talk to him about I, I want to be an editor. I, I got to get into that room, and you know so I I remember turning him down and then and then boom, I finally got that the television movie came in, and they you know and they talked to the editor and the editor said, you know they said hey you got to hire this guy. If he, you know, if he sucks, you know, what I mean, you can fire him, but uh, but but then it started, you know. Like I, uh, Peter Ellis was his name, you know, one of the you know best sort of mentors that I, that I that I've had, um, and the director was uh, Michael uh, Watkins, and from there we, you know, we just the three of us hit it off, and next thing you know, we're you know we did another movie together, we did a TV series together, and you know, and then from there it just sort of kind of built built and built you know
0: the curious thing about your resume however is when i look at it i don't see assistant editor to editor i see post-production supervisor associate producer -producer. co-producer you have been all over the map and i don't think i know anyone else in this entire industry that's done all the jobs
1: you've done them all uh, okay And, and and you know what you know There's a world. There's a part of me that has a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, only because you know I graduated with a a business degree in business management. Like the film industry was something that you know that I. I mean, I always wanted to be a part of it. I just wasn't sure how how exactly I was going to get into it, because you know, film school, you know, financially wasn't an option for me. Obviously, I was lucky enough to live in. uh, I grew up on Long Island, you know, so the city was an option. So as I was sort of going to school, you know, I started doing, you know, I, 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 I go into the city, I do extra work on, on movies and just kind of got sort of an understanding. I started getting into the writing aspect and I always thought that was going to, you know, be my angle. So when I got out, you know, like I said, everything I did was sort of self-taught, no real connections or any of that stuff. But uh, but I was lucky enough. Uh, Joe Berger Davis, who was a post producer who I worked with on my first TV series, he called me up after that one was over because uh, David Kelly was looking for an assistant on the practice, uh, which at the time was you know in its first. I think it was they just finished their first season. You know, it was one of those. You know, obviously David Kelly had a great reputation. The show. Didn't really hadn't really done too much, but I met with them and it was, you know, great group of people, you know, and it was one of those like, oh, I, I definitely want to do this. All of a sudden that show just exploded. So it was really like the second TV show I'd ever I, I'd, I'd done. And uh, after that second season, I think we we it won Best Emmy. Uh, you know, best drama, and then it won the best drama the, the season after that. And then it was one of those crazy, like got a five season pickup. Right. So obviously at that time, with, you know, you know, you, you had a post, uh, a post-production place that was like, there was no editor leaving, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was one of the best jobs you could sort of ask for. And, you know, I sort of made a nice, you know, reputation for myself there. I was doing a lot of uh, cutting the, uh, the previous ons, the next ons, the editor, uh, Charles McClellan, you know, he would let me cut scenes all the time. So, you know, it was, I was getting a lot of good sort of training, but, you know, started to get frustrated in the sense that I would get caught calls about some opportunities but I'd have to be willing to leave and so what ended up happening is I got this great opportunity to to assist on a Spielberg series that they said if the pilot got picked up I would then be able to uh, get one of those editing chairs and Peter Ellis who I'd worked with you know back in the day you know, he was, he's, he was the, the, the pilot editor with Michael Watkins again, you know, what, like I said, these, these connections, they never really go away, especially if you, if you're good, you know? So, um, so I let them know this is my opportunity, you know? So they got, you know, they got a little nervous and they just said, Hey, we know you're a little bit, you know, frustrated but here, you know, here's an opportunity um, uh, we need somebody to kind of do the video side of post-production. Would, you know, would that sort of satisfy you in terms of just, you know, we're going to let you, the next time there's an editing chair open, it's yours, but we want to just, you know, we don't, we want you to sort of feel like you're growing and you're doing things, you know? Ultimately, that that pilot I worked on didn't get picked up, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, so I, I ended up, Going back and then doing the video side of it for a season, and then the next season, you know, still uh, actually the next season, the the editing chair opens up, and they say, and so now they dangle and they say, you can you can have the editing chair, or we would love for you to run post productions. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was a tough one because at that time, you know, at that point I was, you know, probably five, I was probably waiting about five years, you know, in terms of getting that sort of opportunity and man, it was right in front of me. And I mean, as much as they offered it to me, it was one of those, like, we really want you to do this, but if you want to do this, you know, we'll, we'll let you. So, you know, I was intrigued because I did see, you know, the way, uh, uh, you know, they, like I always say, David, the David Kelly company, that was basically my film school, you know, like they, the way they gave people opportunities was always, you know, and, you know, people that started off as, you know, in post in terms of running post, you know, they were directed, you know, so it was one of those things where it was like, it was too good of an opportunity to say no, but I, what I worked out was, hey, I'll run post, but you have to let me edit one episode a season. So I was kind of getting the best of both worlds you know like I you know I got to sort of learn all that sort of side and aspect of it but I also got to con- you know continue to get editing credits and sort of give myself that opportunity uh to you know down the road where I could make you know like I said I could market myself in a way that you know I could go in either direction if I I ultimately wanted to, but I will say this: the minute that show was over, uh, I never went back. It was like, you know, it, the I, I like to get my hands dirty. You know, the running post, fantastic, but it's it's a lot of babysitting. You know, like, and I, I like to get my hands dirty. So that's that was kind of a no-brainer. You know, once once I was done.
0: To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me/slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me/slash QOR360. I definitely want to talk about the myriad of shows that you have cut since then. But before we go forwards and talk more about the editing side of your career, I do want to talk to the only person that I know that has been both a high-level editor, and a high-level co-producer that's run departments. What are the things that happen on the production side or the post-production side that editors just don't get? The things that editors just are driven crazy by, and you're like, yeah, but dude, you don't get it. What are the things that we, on our side of the fence, need to better understand so we can all coexist? Because as you know, the structure of our departments, it's not the most brilliant way that uh, departments are structured. If you look at all other departments. Well, let's, let's use the camera department, for example. I don't know the exact uh, order of it, but like you get to do the slate. Then you get to be a third AC, then a second AC, then a first AC, then a cameraman. Then you get to be a DP someday. But if you're a DP, you've done the job of everybody below you. But in post-production, the co-producer has most likely never touched an avid in their life and they've never edited and I've just never understood why the person that's running everything has never done the job. So talk well, I, I, about these two I, things.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I mean, let's put it this way. If you really did those jobs, you would never, I don't think you ever really want to, you know, in terms of actually running posts, because like I said, it really is, you know, it, you're dealing with studios, you're dealing with networks. Now I, I do have to preface being in Kelly land is not like being in a normal sort of uh, post world because, uh, for the most part money was no, there was, money was no object like you know obviously i had to get permission i had to let people know in terms of what was going on but there was a lot of money flowing in a way that you know that that didn't, you know, it it never hindered, you know? So I get, you know, when I'm working for, you know, a place and I get, you got to get the studio approval for the overtime. You got to do this, like none of that stuff really, you know, like, you know, the thing that, that when I talk about the babysitting, like if you were in that post-production, if you were an editor on that show, I will say it's, you know, I mean, it's easy to look back at it now, but at the time, it was such a it was such a cushy gig, you know, what I mean, like, yes, the hours could be laid, and you know you'd have to do the weekend works. And by the time you got to the end of the season, because they would always squeeze out one or two more episodes since it was such a popular show, like we were literally finishing on a Friday, locking on a Monday, I locking on a Wednesday and airing on a Sunday. Like that's how tight it was, which means three editors working on one episode, you know, being able to pop into each of these rooms, uh, you know, one, you know, each, each editor had their own act. I mean, it it was such a, I mean, it was a well-oiled machine, but it was also just crazy, crazy intense, you know, but they took care of you in a way that, you know, you know, you always sort of felt grateful uh, for it. But, uh, but yes, I, you know, I can get frustrated all the time when it comes to the sort of financial aspects of it. But from the creative aspect of it like I don't even you know it's like I mean and you know obviously you know we've both been there you know there's there's only so much I can do you know what I mean like I, I, I problem solve main job point of the job is just you're problem solving all the time Sometimes that problem solving is gonna make me you know it, it drives me crazy where like I said my, my hours are gonna go a little bit crazy do I you know I can ask for I, I ask for you know, permission to get that over time. Or there's times where I just gonna do it because I, I don't even want to deal with the hassle of it. You know, obviously I try, you know, I, you know, when I'm working on my editor's cut, my cut, you know, what I mean, I don't necessarily mind doing the hours, but beyond that, then those are the times where, you know, what I mean, I I'll step up and make sure that I'm being taken care of, my assistants taken care of because Those are the times where, you know what I mean, where I shouldn't be on my time. It should be on somebody else's time.
0: Yeah, and I have the exact same philosophy where if I want to make it better, that's kind of sort of on me and I need to put in the time. But once I've handed in my cut and it's up to other people's notes, other people's schedules, other people's responsibilities, when you need something done faster and you're saying you can't pay me, your lack of poor planning and your lack of ability to manage time and money, that's not my emergency. That's yours. You need me, that's fine. I'm willing to provide my services, but my services have a cost. That's a really hard conversation for most people to have. And you, you're like, that's hard for people, really. Like, I you're like me. You're like, dude, you're not getting a minute of my time unpaid. That's really hard for a lot of people to do that. And they put themselves through the long nights and the weekends secretly even when it's other people's uh, needs and requests and schedules and it's not their fault at all, that really frustrates me. Cause I know you and I are like, dude, what I are yeah. you doing?
1: But I mean, but you know, a lot of that, like I said, cause I can remember early in my career, you know I mean? I- you know, it was more just like, oh, my God, do, what the f- am I doing here? Do I know what I'm doing here? Like, so, you know, the, the longer you do it, the, I think the confidence, you know, the confidence in terms of what you bring to the project. And ultimately, like I said, these relationships that you, you know, when you're con- when they're constantly calling you to work on something, you know what I mean? Then, you know, you know, they're trusted. You're trusted in a way that you deserve to get paid for for what you're doing.
0: Now I want to transition to. Finishing the practice, you have a few editing credits under your belt. You also have producing credits. From there until this very moment where you've been the supervising lead editor on multiple shows now for Matt Nix, there's this giant grouping of credits that make no sense whatsoever. (laughs) You've done everything, every genre, every type, (laughs) different networks, straight like it, it makes no sense. But it does if you if you can discuss. What you know? I'm just going to let you go ahead because you you clearly yeah. Just
1: I mean, listen. It, it, you know, it's somewhat it is somewhat by design. You know, and and you know, it's when you talk about the pigeonhole thing, it was something I was very I was conscious about, but caught myself like falling into, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it wasn't easy, you know, cause it, you know, all of a sudden it was just like, hey, I love watching half hour shows. Like when I'm not working, I catch myself watch, watching more half hour comedies than I'm doing, you know, one hour action dramas or lawyer shows, which were, obviously you do the practice, you're going to get lawyer shows. You know, I I did some cop stuff, burn notice, all of a sudden, you know, you're getting these sort of action shows. And, you know, the, the one thing I kept getting is, oh my God, you're going to love this. This is just like burn notice. And it's like, of course, internally, I'm like, I have no interest in it. If it's just like burn notice, like, you know, like anything you want to sort of grow and, you know, and you're, you're kind of curious on, on some of these uh, other genres. So the question is, how do I navigate that? How do I get there? Because you know how it is. They look at the resume and they say, should I hire the guy that has absolutely no half hour experiences, credits to his name, or should I hire this guy that has a million half-hour experiences, you know, credits to his name. So, you know, that's where, and like I said, and once again, you fall back on those relationships because, you know, Matt Nix, who, you know, I've had this great relationship with him for for a while, you know, hired a writer, had a writer, uh, Ben Wexler, uh, who, you know, who, who I love to this day and was one of those guys that, you know, and you get this a lot, obviously, when you work on shows. When I get my show... <laughs> I, I, I'm going to hire you, you know. And it's always like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah great, great. I, I'm, I can't wait, you know, to, to work with you, you know. And, you know, at the time when I was trying to, to kind of, you know, trying to like, uh, you know, hold out, hold out, you know, see if I could break into that sort of half hour world. All of a sudden, an opportunity, uh, an opportunity opened up because. Uh, ben ended up getting a show. Him and Matt did a this half-hour show uh, with Larry Charles, which was the the Billy Crystal Josh Gad one on FX. And of course, it was like I want to do this so bad, you know. Uh, Larry Charles, you know, obviously uh, uh, the director, one of those outside-the-box guys that you're just like, there's no way this guy is going to hire me because, you know, I mean, like I. I I don't have, you know, I don't have the the credits he's going to be looking for, but of course, you know, you know Ben and Matt, I said, you you know, you got to get me, got to get me the the meeting, got to get me the meeting, and and of course, you know, I walk into that meeting meeting, and it's like, very quickly, you know, I I just throw it out on the table in the sense that I go listen. You know, because I, I remember him picking up my resume and looking at it. It was like, oh, I might as well just walk out right now. And so, of course, you know, I, I say to him, you know, I know you're not seeing what you what you want to see here, but understand, you know, this is a genre that I, you know, that I love and, you know, and I tried to be specific. And he, he stopped me very quickly and he said, I know comedy. He's like, I'm looking for someone with a different perspective. You know, and it was, it was one of those things where it was like, oh my God, I think there's a shot here. You know what I mean? Like for him, you know, for him to be able to, and that's why like, I, you know, I, I love him is because like I said, he's one of those guys who's so outside the box. You know, that, you know what I mean? Like, normally you would get the, I need to, I need my comedy guy, I need my comedy guy. He's like, nah. He's like, I just wanted somebody with a different sort of perspective, you know? And then once we started talking about the script, it, 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 it felt easy in there. But I got it, you know what I mean? So all of a sudden it was like, oh, I you know, now I'm a, like literally one, I did one, one season of of that. And all of a sudden now I'm a half hour guy, because, you know, the superstore people saw that and they, you know, everyone loves Larry Charles, he hired this guy. So, you know, and then it's like, then next thing I know, I, I'm doing a bunch of, of half hours. So, you know, and then it was like, you know, it did a horror genre half hour, you know, I mean, so, it, it, you know, like I said, it was one of those things where, it was one of those like it's never going to happen then all of a sudden it happened and and now it's like i try and keep that momentum where i try and go back and forth to sort of remind people that oh i can do this or i i can do that and i feel like i've gotten to that point where i have that that flexibility now which is which is nice you know which it, it really is but it like i said it was it wasn't easy and it's you know it's like anything you know uh, i mean i could be very comfortable doing 1 hour uh action shows for the rest of my career but you know at a certain point it's you know you, you do like to push yourself and and look for those opportunities
0: you're like me you get bored really easily Four seasons of Burn Notice, I'm like, this was awesome. I'm good. I'm I'm ready to, to try a different challenge. And then I ended up going to Glee and going to Empire. And then I'm like, I've done the music thing. I'm good. Moving on, right? So you're like me in that you constantly want to learn and be challenged and not fall into the, well, here's the formula. Yep, just put the pieces together. It's the same thing. Like, even as amazing as Burn Notice was, you get to the point where you're like, Oh man, another box montage?
1: Really? Like <laughs> another
0: one of these? I've done, I've had Michael building a bomb like 27
1: times already. I know. But like I said, those are those, those are those relationships too though, that like, you know, if it wasn't Matt Nix, I I wouldn't have stayed for as long as I did. You know, like you just, you have certain understandings with people that it's like, you know, that like there's a comfortableness. And like I said, it's, it's a relationship that's continued because we have, you know, he knows what I sort of want and need when I work on a series. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll sort of jump back into the mentoring chip because when The Gifted came along after the, uh, after the pilot got picked up, you know, uh, the idea was I was going to supervise editor. I was going to get to hire, you know, so I, in, I brought in the post person. I mean, I brought in everybody in terms of the, the main post people, including the editors. So when it came time to hire editors, it was like, well, who's going to listen to me When I, you know, when I want to give a note on something. So what I realized is, I'm just going to hire all of my old assistants that are now editors, because they'll at least pretend like I know what I'm talking about, (laughs) and won't give me too much lip. Um, So I mean, that's, that's what I, you know, that's what I sort of ended up doing there. You know. One of the
0: things that I want to extract that's so important when it comes to both what you did to decide that I want to make these, these different genre transitions. And it actually comes back to without me knowing it, the strategy that I used to get on burn notice originally, people are looking for two things. The most likely thing they want is experience. I look at the paper, the paper tells me you're the perfect fit. My ass is covered. If they don't work out, it's their fault and not mine. Cause I hired the person that makes sense on paper. The other area that I feel so few people don't have the confidence is saying, I might not have the experience, but I have the ability. I've got the skills to do this well. That's what you did with Larry Charles, and that's what I did with Alfredo. Because Alfredo had told me after our meeting, he's like, there was nobody else we interviewed. They could just sit in the chair on day one and cut burn notice. We didn't have to train you. All you had to do is get the job, and we knew you didn't have the experience but you just knew how to cut the show down to the act outs and the effects and the box sequences. We'd have to train other people. So my skills are what got me there, not the experience, but people are so hell bent on thinking I have to have the experience and they get caught in the catch 22. Well, I got to get the job to have the experience, but I need the experience to get the job. And you focus on skills in order to start making that transition, not just, well, this is what's on paper. So you get what you get. And you address that elephant in the room head on which takes courage, but it's so important.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: And the other thing that we haven't talked about yet—my guess is you probably said no more than once to opportunities that would further pigeonhole you. Correct?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I, you know, to this day, I, I think I still, I still do that. I mean, I, you know, I'm lucky that you know, I get, I get to work, you know, I get to work a lot. You know, I mean, I get the calls and opportunities. It also gives me the opportunities to be, you know, selective in the sense that what I choose to do or not to do. You know, there's certain people like Matt Nix, you know, who will call me up and it's like, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm not going to say note to him, you know, I mean, obviously it always, it depends, but I mean, you know, there's certain people that I get excited when I get those calls. Cause I know, you know, I know what I'm sort of getting myself into a good example. Uh, you had uh, James Wilcox, you know, uh, when I got the call for, uh, uh the Ron Howard, uh, TV series, the, the genius one, you know I mean? Like I had already committed to Matt Nix, uh, doing the, the X-Men pilot with Bryan Singer. So it was, you know, it was one of those where, uh, you know, when I get those calls, when they say, hey, we want you to come in and meet, you know, if I can't, if I can't do it, I always like to recommend somebody, you know, someone who I think, oh, this might be a a good fit. So it was one of those situations where it was like, hey, you know, obviously, it's Ron Howard, like, the hell's gonna say no to no to this. But unfortunately, I'm already committed to something. But I think you guys should meet, you know, uh, James Wilcox, I, I think you're gonna like him, you know, and and sure enough, you know, James went in there and 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 got it, you know, and and established this relationship with Ron now. So and now those got Ron's where, features. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yeah, oh, you, you didn't you mention that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I mean, say but those are those like you know, those are those things where I I do catch my. I mean, I, I'm always constantly trying to share. Like I I always feel like there's a lot of got, there's a lot of good opportunities out there. You know, and you know, and if I can be, if I can help somebody get a job, to me, I it's almost as just as satisfying as you know, as sometimes getting the job itself. You know, what I mean, like I, their successes are always. I, I take that as my successes. And I do that with my assistants too. Like, you know, I mean, every time you know they get you know an assistant that moves on and, and gets an editing you know position, like I. I, that to me is one of the best feelings, you know, you can have when, when you see them sort of succeed and beyond, you
0: know, well, I'm definitely one of those names on the list. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> very, very much appreciate everything that you were uh, allowed to make happen for me. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show.